Exodus chapter 4 is where we are at this morning. So last Sunday we were talking about Father's Day. And uh, we're back in our study through Exodus now. And uh, we've got, I've, I've broken this up into several different main divisions. We're going to see God's power, God's provision, God's plan, God's patience, God's promise, and uh, we are going to continue to see these things throughout the book of Exodus, uh, but this is an excellent chapter. Uh, God's power is the first section that we get into, verses 1 through 9. Let's go ahead and jump into it here. We see God's power, first of all, over the rod, over the rod. Let's see what we're talking about. Verse 1, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, in case you don't remember where we were at at this point in Exodus chapter 4, uh, Moses was, uh, we saw him born in Egypt, born into slavery, born to a peasant family, uh, put into um, uh, the river, uh, into the reeds, where Pharaoh's daughter found him, and through uh, circumstances, eventually, uh, he became actually part of the royal family. So he went from being born into a slave family, um, into slavery, into, into, uh, to this peasant family, to being part of the royal family. Uh, well, then, he, he see, he knew that he was still a Hebrew, although everyone believed that he was an Egyptian. Uh, he knew that he was still a Hebrew, and one day... He actually attacked another Egyptian. He saw that Egyptian harming a Hebrew, and he was overcome, and, and uh, he actually attacked and killed that Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and had to run for his life. Uh, he ended up in a place called Midian and uh, met uh, these seven uh, women, these seven daughters, and their dad, and uh, ended up marrying one of the daughters. And uh, went from went from a, being born into a slavery, being born into slavery, uh, to being part of the royal family, uh, to then we saw him out on the backside of the desert with a flock of sheep, with his his father-in-law Jethro's uh, flock, and uh, oh no no don't do that. And um, so we've seen him just I mean already uh, the the the. Uh, some extreme um, uh, changes in his life. Well, then what happens? Uh, he probably is thinking, hey, I'm just going to spend the rest of my days uh, leading Jethro's flock around the desert. Well, while he's out there on the backside of the desert, God actually, that's when God appears to him in the burning bush. So God appears to him and tells him, I want you to go back to Egypt. So the place that you were born, the place that you ran from, because you murdered somebody, I want you to go back there. I'm going to use you to lead my people out of Egypt. So we, a, a couple of uh, Sundays ago, we, we, we I, I say we, I emphasize that. Um, all of this, the fact that this man Moses, who's, who's going to be used to lead the people out of Egypt, and, you know, most of us, or probably all of us, know the story. We've seen the, uh, you know, the movies or whatever. And, uh, you know, with just saying, man, it's incredible, you know, what God used him to do. But do not forget where this man started. And the fact that he was born into slavery. And the fact that he was put in a river to save his life. And he was taken from there, uh, ended up 
becoming a murderer, and then escaping, running to the desert. He's out there like just this vagrant, you know, running around the desert, and well, you know, he's he's uh, 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 tending to this flock, but he's just, you know, in his mind, he's probably thinking, "Great, I just want to stay as far away as I can from Egypt. Uh, don't even want to, uh, you know, think about, you know, who I was and what I did, and just stay away from it, stay safe." And then here comes God, right? We oftentimes believe. That all that God wants from us or for us is safety. And then oftentimes we set about trying to accomplish that safety, trying to build a bubble around our lives to keep us out of danger, to keep us out of uh, uncomfortable positions, away from, you know, uh, 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 bad positions. And then here comes God just breaking all of that down and putting Moses right in the middle of all of that, all of that mix. And here is God saying, okay, now I want you to leave all of the comfort of this kind of a lifestyle. And I want you to go back to the place that you ran from. I'm going to use you in a mighty way there. See, for, for us, we don't, you know, this is like, well, that's, that's good for Moses. And that's good for, like, people in the Bible. But not for me. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is build up a comfortable life. Well, God may have other plans. God may have other plans. And he did for Moses. And so here, what's what we're going to see now is that Moses is, is going to be putting his hands up to like, like, hold on, God, you know, like pump the brakes. Uh, you know, I think you got the wrong guy, basically, is what he's trying to say. So Moses says this. He begins to come up with these excuses. Here's his first excuse. He says to God, keep in mind, this is a burning bush. Okay? He's still standing before this burning bush. He's barefoot. Because God spoke to him from the bush and said, hey, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. So here's Moses, backside of the desert. Who knows where his flock is? There, I don't know. I don't know if they just split. Who knows? Who cares? He's just out there, backside of the desert, barefoot, talking to a bush that's burning, but not being consumed. Ex-slave, murderer, what a mess. And yet... Here he goes now. Now he speaks to the bush and he says this, but suppose they will not believe me. Who's they? The children of Israel, all of the slaves that are in Egypt. Suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. Okay. Now, most of us have seen the movies or whatever, and we think, well, you know, he was a shepherd, so, you know, he would have had a long beard, the long striped robe, and, you know, he just would have been carrying a big stick because that's what shepherds and prophets do, and he's just, you know, he's Moses, and you just walk around with a big stick when you're holy, right? No, it's because of the flock that he had. Now, whether this was specifically a, a rod or whether it was a staff, uh, you know, it's, here it says rod, um, but he would have most likely, it's possible that he would have been carrying both. Both a staff with a hook on the end to be able to grab sheep from over there and pull those things closer to him. Or a rod to be able to, you know, tap the sheep if he needed to. Or maybe tap them a little bit harder if he needed to. Or if there was some kind of predator coming, he might be able to use that rod to, uh, to, to chase away predators. Uh, some um, 
Not some. Lots of shepherds, uh, they, they uh, would actually uh, use those rods and they could chuck those things uh, like a long distance, almost like a spear, to chuck that at maybe a coyote or a wolf or a mountain lion that might be coming to uh, um, uh, threatening the, the flock. And so he would have had this tool in his hand. It's not that he's just walking around out there like, oh, I'm just automatically, you know, I'm just, I just wanted to make sure I look like a prophet so that you could, you know, pick me, pick me, pick me. This is a tool. It's a simple tool. It's a stick is what he's got. This is not something that he went to, uh, you know, Walmart to buy. Uh, he didn't go to, you know, Harbor Freight or, you know, go to Home Depot to pick up this tool that, you know, it's like, well, you know, it, 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 uh, it's a telescoping, uh, you know, rod and, you know, it's made out of aluminum and I can, you know, it's, not, it's just a stick that he had. And so he's holding this rod and God asks him this question, what is that in your hand? Now, I, I just, again, put yourself in his place. This bush is talking to him, telling him to do something he does not want to do. Then he begins to answer the bush back. Then the bush says this. He, he says, well, what if they don't believe me? And then the bush hits him with this. Well, what is that in your hand? What does that have to do with anything? I don't want to go. And what if the people don't listen to me? And then the bush says, what is that in your hand? It's a rod. Okay, like what? You, you, you know it's me. You could see my feet. You told me to take off my sandals, but now you can't see what's in my hand? I mean, that's what Chris Morrow would be saying. Like what? You, you know, what does the stick have to do with that? I don't want to go. He said, cast it on the ground in verse 3. So he cast it on the ground. He threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Now, how many of you are scared of snakes? Come on. How many of you are scared of snakes? If you don't raise your hand, you're a liar, because I know there's a whole bunch more. How many of you love snakes? How many of you are not scared of snakes? See, some of you did not raise your hand. You didn't vote. The ones that didn't vote are going to be the ones complaining, right? I'm sorry. Wait, wait. That's something else. Okay. Listen. Snakes scare a lot of people. They, I, I am not so scared of... I, I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't love snakes. I will pick them up. You know, if I see them out somewhere, I'll... I'll pick up a snake or whatever. Um, but here, I, I want you to think about this. Some of you are like, hey, Moses ran from the snake. I like, you're, some of you are like, no, I, I get it, Moses. Snakes are evil, you know, they're from Satan, and, you know, I don't know why, you know, there are even snakes in the world. He throws down his stick, he becomes a serpent, Moses fled from it. Okay, now stop and think about this. He throws the stick down, it becomes a serpent. Okay, that's, the, the stick changing into a serpent is scary enough. Like, what am I dealing with here? What kind of bush is this? Okay. But he sees the serpent and runs from it. Now think about this. This man, this grown man just ran from a snake. And you're like, no, I get it. Okay, but Really, God, this is the man that you're going to use to go lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? Really? Like he runs from snakes. He's scared of snakes, but you're going to send him to Egypt to rescue people? This is where, like, if I was there and, and God was talking to Moses, I might be like, uh, I might be saying to the bush, like, you may want to think about somebody else here. Because this guy does not want to go, and he runs from snakes. And you're going to send him to, to talk to Pharaoh? Really? This is, this is the guy you're using? I, I'm pointing these things out because I want each of you to understand this morning 
that you can come up with all the excuses that you want. You can say, well, my age or, you know, my voice or uh, I'm not able to do this or I don't have the ability to do that or I'm scared or, you know, I wasn't very good in school or I wasn't, you know, I'm not a really good person uh, or, or, you know, I've, I've sinned or I've thought bad thoughts or you can come up with all the excuses that you want. But what we're seeing early in the life of Moses is not that God doesn't care. He cares about all of those things. But that the God that we belong to, that he can work through all of those things. All of your imperfections, all of your shortcomings, all of the excuses that you come up, the excuses are not good enough. I believe with all of my heart, that's why I'm here, that's why I came to Revival two years ago, that's why I'm involved in youth ministry, I believe that God desires to use young people. And I don't mean just young people from like Calvary Chapel, Murrieta. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about young people at Fusion, at Revival Christian Fellowship. You with, you know, all of whatever, all of the, the, the different objections that you might come up with, all of the excuses that you might have. I believe that God still wants to use you with all of your imperfections. Here's Moses. He runs from a snake, but this is the person that God's going to use to go back and rescue people out of Egypt. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Incredible. It changed back into a rod, not because of Moses' miracle, miracle touch, but because when he touched it, he believed God, he, he grabs it by the tail, and God caused it to turn back into a rod. And so in verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. That means put your hand in your chest. Now, it didn't mean that he was going to do like an Indiana Jones thing and stick his hand in his chest, you know, and pull out his beating heart. Now put your hand in your bosom. It meant stick it inside of your, 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 your robe, stick it inside of your clothing. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Leprosy was a disease, a sickness. And Moses sticks it in his hand, in his, in his uh, uh, clothing, pulls it out, and his hand is immediately filled with leprosy. Then what happens? He says in verse 7, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. So what do we see there? That not only does God have power over the rod, but God also has power over his hand, over his body. What God is demonstrating is I've got power to, to uh, uh, over your entire, your entire being. Like, like I created you. I, I, I know who I'm picking. I know who I'm choosing here. There's one more thing. It says, verse 8, Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. Verse 9, we see that he has power over the Nile. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river, the river means the Nile, and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become 
blood on the dry land. Now, there was no river nearby, evidently, for him to tell Moses, okay, take some of that water and pour it. So he just told him, look, if they don't believe the first two signs, then I'll do this third sign. So we see that he has power over the rod, over his hand, over the Nile. What he wants Moses to understand is that God has the ability and the desire to work through all of those imperfections in the life of Moses. That all of his excuses are just that. They're just excuses. And that Moses needs to go on and submit because God knows what he's doing. You know, when God taps you and says, okay, I want to use you to do this thing, this, this task, God doesn't, like, make mistakes. Like, oh, I got the wrong address. Sorry about that. You know, didn't, didn't realize you're the wrong person. I didn't want you. When God begins to impress on your heart, listen, I want you to do this thing. I want you to say this thing. I want you to serve in this way. He doesn't make a mistake. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what you do in secret. He knows what you think that nobody knows. He knows all of that. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your failings. And all of us, we've got plenty of them. But they're just excuses. And the best thing that you and I can do when God says, okay, this is what I want you to do, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm pressing this on your heart, and I want, this is what I want you to do, is the, the easiest way to do it is to just say, okay, God, whatever, whatever is it you want to do. Because you can put up a fight, and you can argue, and you can make excuses. God knows. He hasn't made a mistake. He knows who he wants to use. Let's move on to our second section, beginning in verse 10. We're going to see God's provision here. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, that wasn't enough. Turning the, 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 uh, uh, the rod into a snake wasn't enough. Changing his hand, you know, so that it's leprous and then, and then uh, uh, healing it again. And then telling him about the water turning into blood. See, those weren't enough. Those things weren't enough. So in verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, this can mean a couple of different things. It might mean that Moses, Moses may be saying here that, listen, God, I can't talk. I stutter. Or some people believe that he's saying, listen, I don't really know the language anymore. I know I used to live there, but I, I, I don't, I, I can't really, I'm not a fast learner. And uh, I, I just really, I, I, you know, I haven't really been listening to, to you know, podcasts anymore. So I've kind of lost the language. I, you know, I, I really, I'm, not, I'm the wrong guy. Whichever it is, what's going on is that Moses, again, is making excuses saying, look, I, I'm the wrong, I can't be your mouthpiece, God. I don't speak right. I don't speak well. I'm the wrong person for the job. So in verse 11, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? There's the question. See, again, we've seen this before. The question is not, who are you, Moses? And what can you do for me? And what kind of abilities do you have? And, you know, uh, submit your application here and let me see all of your, your uh, uh, qualities. That's... It didn't, it didn't matter who Moses was or what he could do or could not do. The right question is, who's in charge here? 
Who is God? What can God do? What abilities does God have? And God reminds him of that in verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Do you think, what, he, what he's saying to Moses here in this question is, do you think that I don't have the ability to bless your mouth, your slow, slow of speech, slow of tongue, whatever it is, whether it's stuttering or whether you just don't know the language, whatever, whatever excuses you might come up with, Moses, do you think that I'm not able to, to, to overcome that? Who's made man's mouth? I, 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 uh, God is saying, I am the one that, that invented this whole thing. I'm the one that created you. Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Some people have a huge problem with that. Like, wait a minute, what do you mean? Does God make people mute or make people deaf or uh, uh People with sight or people blind? I don't know. That's what it appears to be saying there. So does that mean that God sometimes purposely makes people blind or he gives people these so-called disabilities? I, you know, I really don't know. I mean, the, the, the point is that God can do anything that he wants. He created us. So he can do or make or allow whatever he desires. He has ownership over us by virtue of creation because he created us. That's what he wants Moses to understand. He's the creator. Verse 12, now therefore go, he tells him, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He says this, but he, he, he tells, now listen, enough excuses, get going. Moses says, he just comes right out and says it. Oh, God, please just use somebody else. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Please. You know, this is uh, oftentimes how uh, good leaders begin. They don't want it. Like, don't. I don't, you know, I, I, I really don't care that years from now, uh, Charlton Heston is going to play me, God. I just really don't want this, 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 this spot. I, I know they're going to make an animated movie about me. I just really don't want it, God. So, so please give it to somebody else. I really don't want the fame. I don't want the stardom. I'm, I'm, I'm good just, you know, uh, 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 leading Jethro's flock, my father-in-law's flock around the desert, the backside of the desert. I'm okay. You know, just use someone else. Enough excuses. He's run out of excuses, basically. But we see God's provision in verse 14. Look what happens. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite, your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesperson to, spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. So what just took place is that he says, look, send somebody else. And God says, look, I'm sending you. And he goes, look, he points his direction, points, points uh, his attention, Moses' attention. and says, look, here comes Aaron. 
He said, I'm going to use Aaron. So, so what do we see here? We see that God is providing a helper for Moses. And he tells Moses, no, you're going. And I'm going to send a helper with you. And what's going to happen is you're going to tell Aaron what to say, and then Aaron will speak on your behalf. He'll be your mouthpiece. Now, eventually what would happen is that uh, 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 God would use Moses. Moses would speak up. He wouldn't always depend on Aaron to be the leader or to be the speaker. But at this point, God's, you know, Moses is just saying, look, I, it's just flat out, I don't want to go. And God is saying, well, you're going, so uh, I'm going to send a helper with you also. Uh, but, but you're going. It is always best, it is always best to submit to God's plan, what God wants to do. I tell you that because of this, because Aaron, Aaron would be a great help to Moses lots of times. But he would also be trouble for Moses. It was Aaron, most of you know the story well. It was Aaron who was in charge of the people when Moses went up to the mountain to receive instruction from God. And you will remember what took place at the bottom of that mountain. That the people grew weary. They were, they were tired of waiting for Moses, impatient. And they told Aaron, hey, listen, Moses disappeared. He's gone. He's not coming back. We need to worship so Aaron actually said, okay, everybody, you know, give me your gold jewelry. Everybody pitch in, give me your gold. And, and he actually formed a golden calf for the people to worship. And they were doing all sorts of things. We'll get to that later in the book of, in the book of Exodus. He would cause trouble for Moses. It would have been better had Moses just said, okay, I understand. I'm imperfect. I've got all these mistakes, God, all these failings, all these shortcomings. But listen, if you want to use me, go ahead, go for it. Because what happens is he ends up sending Aaron. And though Aaron is a help, Aaron also causes trouble. It's always best to just go with plan A with God. And not try to, you know, pump the brakes and tell God, no, I can't do it. And, you know, here's all my excuses. It's always best to just go with God's original plan. Now, in verses 27 and 28, here, here's what I, this is my opinion, okay? Now, we just finished reading at verse 17. I think that verses 27 and 28 go in this section. Because remember God told Moses, hey, look, here comes Aaron. Well, look at verses 27 and 28. You can jump down there, and then we'll be back at verse 18 in a moment. But in verses 27 and 28, And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God. Remember Mount Horeb, that's where he was, and kissed him. Okay? So they greeted with one they greeted one another. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. So God was orchestrating things from every angle. God had it covered. Nothing to fear. No reason to, to fight against him. He knows what he's doing. God's always got it covered, okay? So we see God's provision in providing a helper. Let's go on to the next one. Way before Drake ever got a hold of it, uh, verse 18, we see God's plan. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please, let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt. 
and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. So it was a cultural thing. It was, hey, I'm, I'm working for Jethro, and, and uh, I'm about to take off on this adventure, and I'm going to take his daughter, and uh, so I'm just going to go and make sure it's clear with him. And he goes and he does that. Verse 19, now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go, return to Egypt. Here it is, for all the men who sought your life are dead. No doubt Moses was thinking about that. Like when I left, I was a murderer, I was a hunted man, and I was, I was running for my life. But God assures him, look, everybody that wanted you dead, is there, they're dead. Verse 20, then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And in verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, okay, See that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. So he tells them the first thing God's plan involves, show Pharaoh. Show Pharaoh all of the things that I've showed you. At the end of verse 21, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now, again, some people have a problem with this. Like, wait a minute. It just says there that God's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So does that mean that, that Pharaoh didn't have a, he didn't have a, a, a choice, God just did it? Is that what that means? I would say, I would describe it this way or explain it this way. God hardened Pharaoh's heart, that's what it says there. But it was not against Pharaoh's will. Pharaoh's heart was already hard. When you take a candle... And we're heading into the summer. Some of the days are getting pretty hot. And you put that candle outside, what happens to it? Like one person knew what happens to it. The rest of you guys were like, what's a candle? Right? Who said that it melts? Who said that? Okay, way in the back. Jordan, Bible answer, man. Right? Good job, man. Well done. We applaud you. Put a candle outside in the heat, in the sunlight, it melts. Okay? But you take that candle, you put it somewhere else, uh, inside where it's cool, and it's not going to melt, okay? Um, but um, if, you, uh, uh, if, you take, um, uh, if you take clay and you put that outside, what's going to happen? It's going to harden, right? So it's, it's, you know, these two different materials, uh, it, it's, it's still the same sun, but the, the, the point is this, that, that God, for many of us in here, softened us. But for many others, he hardens them. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you came into contact with God, you softened your heart toward God. There are others who come into contact with God and they harden their hearts against God. You probably know some people like that. You know lots of people that soften their heart toward God. They're, they're obedient toward God. And then you know others that harden their heart toward God. Well, Pharaoh is one of those people that hardens his heart against God, against God's people. You'll see his pride as we get into it. So don't think here that in, in, in uh, uh, verse 21, uh, yeah, verse 21, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. That doesn't mean that God was against Pharaoh's own will hardening his heart. Pharaoh's heart was already hard, hard 
See, Pharaoh would have believed himself to be a god, God in flesh, God on earth. And so for Moses to come and say, hey, God wants you to let, let these people go, he's like, well, who is that God? Okay, second thing he does in verse 22 is he says, part of God's plan is speak to Pharaoh. So show Pharaoh, speak to Pharaoh. Verse 22, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed. Now here at this point, God is speaking to Moses Telling Moses, this is what you're to tell Pharaoh. Okay? Nobody's talking to Pharaoh yet. This is just between God and Moses. And God says this, but if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. So God's plan involves, hold on, God's plan involves death. Or at least at this point, the threat of death. Again, some people have a tough time with that. Like, wait a minute. Are you saying that God might kill some people? That's exactly what God is threatening there. That Pharaoh, you either let my people go or I will kill your firstborn son. So speak to Pharaoh. But again, God created us. He may, <coughs> excuse me, he may take our, give us life or take our life. I remember, I know I've told you before, I remember being in the Philippines, man, on a mission trip, and it was just, it was so busy. It was so busy. Just like constant opportunities to minister every day. And uh, I was I was speaking at lot, teaching at lots of different places. Uh, some of the outreaches, and uh, there was like a, a pastor's conference and uh, at, uh, at the Bible college and uh, at, a, at just a regular college for the Bible club. I mean, it was just like trap jump in the thing, in the, in the uh, uh, what are those, what are they called? Uh, 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 I can't remember the name of the vehicles, but anyways, you, you just jump in, you go, you know, in the morning, it's like you get up, okay, breakfast, let's go, bam, bam, and you're just on the go. And it was, it was incredible. It was exciting. Traveling all over the place and teaching here and there. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then, as we're, as we're nearing the end of the trip, we got into that wreck. And I thought I was going to lose my, I thought my arm was going to get ripped off of my body. I mean, I just thought, as we were in the wreck, sliding on the ground, I was thinking, oh, there go, my arm's going about to rip off right now. I'm going to go home armless. And uh, I, the, the, I, I remember uh, uh, coming out of that, and it's like, man, my arm is still there. I can't believe I just came across a picture the other day of my arm all bloody, you know, and it's like, you know, and I just remember thinking, like, I cannot believe my arm is still there. And it's not like hanging down to my, you know, my toes. I couldn't believe it. And it's like, well, what, 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 you know, what's going on? Like, you know, God's using you, and then all of a sudden you almost get your arm ripped off. But I remember God speaking to my heart and telling me. Now, this is in Chris Amaro language, Chris Amaro lingo. But God spoke to my heart like, hey, I can use you in a big way. To talk to all of these people, share with all of these people. People getting saved all over the place. Not just with me, but with everybody that was being used. And then I remember God saying, I can use you or I can snatch the life right out of you in a moment. What am I going to do? Am I going to complain? Well, how dare you, God? You know, I, don't you see all the hundreds of people that I spoke to over the last two weeks? And, you know, can't you see that I gave up my time to come over here? Please. 
He created me. Whenever he wants to, he could snatch the breath right out of my lungs, and I'm done. What am I, I, I going to complain about that? No, because God created me. Don't ever forget that. Let's move on. We've got to finish up. We're going to see God's patience here. This is bizarre. Verse 24, and it came to pass on the way. So Moses is on the way to Egypt at the encampment as they stopped. That the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Wait, what? They don't show this in the, in the animated movie, huh? That the Lord met him and sought to kill him. You're like, wait a minute. I thought this was God's man. Like, did he, what's he, like all of a sudden now he's going to kill Moses? Verse 25, then Zipporah. Does anybody remember who Zipporah is? Who's Zipporah? In the back, young man. What's that? It's his, his wife. Yeah, Zipporah is his wife. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son. In other words, she circumcised her son. Her son was not circumcised at that point. And cast it at the feet of Moses and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. And we go, What? What is it? So, wait, they're on the way to Egypt? And then God's about to kill him. And then the next thing is his wife is circumcising their son and throwing the skin at Moses. Like, what is, what is this? You know, there are some details that we do not have here. But what we can gather is this. This is my best guess. If you don't like this, that's okay. But here's my best guess. Is that... As they're on their way to Egypt, God addresses a problem in the life of Moses. Now, Moses had lots of problems. And God chose this one to address. His son, the son of Moses, was not circumcised. Now, we go, whoa, what's the big deal with that? Well, you may remember in our study through Genesis that God had uh, 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 told the children of Israel that all of the males must be circumcised. Okay? It was a sign, it was a reminder for every male child, every male growing up, that, hey, we belong to God. Evidently, Moses hadn't been obedient in probably other areas, but this is one of those areas. I don't think this was the only area that Moses was like, you know, imperfect in others but for whatever reason this was a big one for God and God actually it says in verse 24 that the Lord met him and sought to kill him now the fact that it says God sought to kill him I think if God wanted to kill him God would have just killed him okay but he didn't so he addressed this issue how exactly did he seek to kill him? I don't know. But Zipporah steps in, circumcises her son, throws that at Moses' feet that is so gross, and then tells him, surely you are a husband of blood to me. And in verse 26, here's where we see the patience of God. He relented. God didn't kill him. Verse 26. So he let him go. Then, then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. So there, that's, that's all I got for you, okay? Let's move on. Verse 29, we're going to see God's promise now. Let's finish this up. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. So now they're in Egypt. 
And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people, and God's promises fulfilled here in that the people believed, verse 31. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. So God's plan is working out just the way that God promised. You may come up with all of the excuses that you wish. All the things that you can dream up. Well, I can't do it because of this. Or, you know, I got bad breath. Or I got acne. Or I, got, I don't speak too well. Or I'm not loud. Or I'm, you know, I'm impatient. Or I'm whatever. You can come up with all the excuses that you want. God knows what's best, Fusion. And when God begins to impress something on your heart, some way in which he seeks and desires to use you, submit. That is always going to be best to go with plan A and allow God to use you in incredible ways. There are things that God wants to accomplish. You understand? There are things that God still desires to accomplish in this world. And he's looking for people. I, I believe this with all of my heart, that he's looking for people, whether young or old, male or female, regardless of uh, age or, again, skin color or whatever your social status might be or, you know, whoever you might have been in the past, God is looking for people that would say, hey, I am imperfect, but God, if you want to use me, use me. There's not a leader in this room that would stand up here and say, yeah, God uses me because I'm perfect. And, you know, I, I fixed all of my, you know, shortcomings before, you know, God ever used me. No, we just at some point we said, hey, uh, yeah, God, I, I, I want to be used. I want to serve you. And God saw the willingness and began to use us. And in the process, you know what he does? In the process, he purifies. In the process, he begins to work all of those, those imperfections out of us. It's a lifelong process. There's not anybody that leads in this room, whether it's up on the stage or from the back, that doesn't have things wrong, issues, problems, whatever. But God is slowly, gently, lovingly working those things out. As we move forward in obedience, God is working those things out. And he'll do the same thing with Moses. We'll see that. Okay? Let's go ahead and...